Welcome back to Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast. I am Dave Jackson. I'm joined by Patrick Mahan. Hey, everybody. I'm also joined by Tyler Mullins. I like. If this is the first time you've been joining us, Tyler is new to Twin Peaks. This is a first watch for the boy. What are your feelings so far, Tyler? So far, um, feeling kind of middle of the road. You know, it's uh, it's been one heck of a roller coaster. Yeah, already. it's not for everybody so far. The podcast didn't exist. I probably would have thrown in the towel oh, wow. after episode two, wow. um, and then after episode three, I would have thrown in another towel. Wow. <laughs> So we've got high hopes going forward. Wow, great. (laughs) But I have seen episode four, and I am here and ready to talk. Because there's a lot that happens, and it's a very exciting episode. Speaking of episode four, this is that one. It is called The One-Armed Man, and it is, once again, a roller coaster of happenstances. I guess we'll just get right into it. So we have Sarah Palmer giving a police sketch to some deputies about the gray-haired man that she saw, who we now know is Bob from her vision. This is where the time, again, doesn't quite line up for me, because she's just now giving a sketch from the vision that she had at the end of episode... Two episodes ago? Yeah, it was a while ago. At the end of Traces to Nowhere. So she's just now giving this sketch. This is also where she specifies that the vision of Bob was at the foot of Lara's bed, which we were speculating right otherwise. So she wasn't seeing him in the room. She was seeing him as though he were in Lara's room. Right. That was the vision that she had. So we have that whole scene. Leland comes in in his bathrobe and is kind of mocking the situation. like, why don't you tell him about the necklace vision? She's had two visions. Yeah, it's weird. because like, dude, you have his, no room to talk. Yeah, he's, Like, you've been breaking down left and <laughs> right. jumped on a coffin <laughs> in a yeah. death pit. Yeah. But yeah, let's mock your wife for having vision. She tells him about the, the flashlight moving across the ground, a gloved hand, digging up the necklace. And this is the first time that Donna's heard about this. I don't. Why is Donna here? Is this the exact same day that she was there and the vision happened? Not sure. Because why else would she still be there in the room? Right. I think it's only the only reason she's there. And I, this doesn't even entirely make sense, but when they bring up the hand taking the necklace to show that she's... We did that. Or, well, we didn't pick it up, but we right. did bury it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for her to be there to react to that, but why is she there to begin with? Right, yeah, What, what no puts idea. her in the scene if it's not just the same moment? Right. Because we had cut away pretty harshly from that scene, and now we have it two episodes later, mm-hmm. where they're still in that room getting right. this description. So I just assume it has to be the exact same moment. Could be. Uh, so Harry comes back to the police station for an update where Lucy is watching Invitation to Love. And this is the soap within a soap, the TV series that's happening within Twin Peaks. And there's some parallels in the show to what's actually happening per episode. So this time around, we have... Uh, is it Emerald or Jade that's talking to Chet on Invitation to Love? I don't know. I think it's... Emerald? I think it's Jade. Mm. I don't know. I think Jade's the one doing the talking. But uh, they mention that uh, one of the twin sisters has convinced their father not to kill himself and now has a will that's in debate and they're talking about a property that's going to be destroyed and Mm. there's a double cross happening there. Uh, wink, wink, somebody is threatening to burn down the sawmill right. in Twin Peaks, and that's probably going to turn into a double cross as well. Did you pick up on any of that, Tyler? 
And you weren't paying attention to the invitation to love, like plots. No. <laughs> I, I've, no. I've just been trained to tune right. that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- this all matters, though. So when when Truman comes in and asks Lucy for an update, she just gives him the rundown on invitation to love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and not at all about what's happening with what's the case. What's happening, Lucy? Uh, yeah. So. It, we found out that Andy and Lucy not only are together, but having a spat. You were right. Tyler called, called it, it from episode I one. Yep. It. Lucy, why couldn't I stay over last night? That is incredible, Andy. <laughs> it is, right? That is very impressive. It's pretty good. Will you be having coffee today, Detective Brennan? Dep- Deputy Brennan. <laughs> okay, so Cooper has Dr. Jacoby in the interrogation room, and he's just doing golf ball magic. <laughs> it's it's one of the most amazing tricks I've ever seen, and I watched it and rewound it. Trying to catch try, the... I, like, I don't get it. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like, he's holding two golf balls it. in his hand and puts them up to his ear. One disappears into his ear, and then it comes back out his mouth. But this is just what he's doing while Cooper is questioning him. Yeah. I feel like he wasn't asked to be shown side of hand magic. <laughs> this is just... <laughs> He sat down and just started doing this. Like, what do you think of that? It's pretty great. It is. I was very impressed. I'm but it's like a trick. Of course, it's Jacoby that can yeah. pull off such a trick. Some of that mm-hmm. sweet Jacobian magic. <laughs> Jacobian. Jacobian magic band name called it. <laughs> kind of interrupts him from doing, just doing golf ball magic. Would you say Laura had problems? He's like, oh, yes. Like, were they of a sexual nature? And he's like, Cooper, everything is sex. <laughs> <laughs> All of society's problems are sexual in nature. Okay, well, does she have a drug problem? <laughs> then he starts, he kind of spends it and like starts talking about the ginger root from Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii, Hawaii. Which is not as cool as he thinks it is. I, his fascination with Hawaii does actually explain his decor in his office with the hollowed out coconut and the palm coconut, trees. Coconut, yeah. <laughs> but uh, apparently he's planning a pilgrimage to Pebble Beach. A pilgrimage, in quotes, you're not of Hawaiian descent. Hang loose, my howies. <laughs> That's what he says as he leaves the room. Oh, man. And something happened after that because I remember going back and rewatching that. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he leans into Cooper and says that Laura built a fortress of secrets around herself that he, in his six months, couldn't penetrate. I noted that he used the word penetrate. Yes. Yeah, me too. Which is very sexual. Mm-hmm. In nature. Everything in is nature. sex, guys. In no Twin way. Peaks, mm-hmm. all things are sex. Uh, he, he did also there. say that he had followed a man that Laura had mentioned who drove a red Corvette, and that's what put him on the sawmill road that night. Yes. Where he dug up the necklace. Yes. Turns out Leo Johnson drives a red Corvette. Son of a bitch. Is this when Coop gets a call from his boss? Yes. Gordon Cole, who is voiced in this phone call. By David Lynch, the man himself. Okay, I was just. Cooper, do we talk about the dead girl or her Albert's new best friend? <laughs> so they they matched the type of twine that was used to hold Laura Palmer to a common uh, general store variety around the town. We find out that Albert is pretty much going after Truman's job. Wants his badge. Wants his badge. He wants this man's badge, Coop. Uh, they find out that it's bird bites that were on Laura's shoulder, and that they are currently working on reconstructing the plastic fragment that was in her stomach. They end up talking to Sarah again, and Andy has the sketch of Bob. Yeah, he brings he well, no, he brings it over from the beginning. So Andy shows him the sketch of Bob, and after that scene, right. Well, Coop explains one of my favorite quotes in this is Coop explains that why well, he didn't go over there. 
He says, I'm a strong sender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah while, while Sarah Palmer was giving her description of the man in her vision to get the police sketch, uh, Cooper wasn't there because he felt like his dreams would have an impact on her description or recollection yeah. because he's a strong sender. Right. Uh, he also goes on to mention that the sketch of Bob is inaccurate because the eyes were closer together. Mm-hmm. But I don't see how the eyes could have been any closer together than they were in the sketch. That's they are true. On his nose. <laughs> Hawk. So Hawk, is this when Hawk calls? That yeah, he's, this is when Hawk calls yeah. and uh, says that he's found the one-armed man at yeah. the uh, the Timber Falls Motel. And he <laughs> Cooper turns to Truman and says, uh, "Taking the highway, how long would it take us to get to Timber Falls Motel?" Thirty and, minutes. Ten minutes. Depends which way you go. Depends how you go. Yeah. <laughs> Andy with I the... I love that. So like, of course, Andy knows the slower <laughs> route. It's so funny. We need, to, we need to listen to that one. Yeah. Roll it. Hawk. Right. Stay there. Follow him if he moves. Traveling east on Highway 12, how long will it take us to reach the Timber Falls Motel? Half an Ten hour. Minutes. Depends how you go. Hawk's found our one-armed man. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> so, so now we're at the Timber Falls. Now we're at the Timber Falls Motel. Josie's already there. She's outside, staking the place out. Being just so super inconspicuous. Oh, she's so yeah. She's not with hiding her at all. Nice, her Nikon camera, <laughs> just really a giant weird. lens little, little, with a little zoom. product placement. There. She's not hiding in the bushes. She's Mm-mm. hanging out of her car. She's not even in a parking spot. Right. She's just in the middle of the road. Yeah, taking it's taking up multiple spaces pictures. probably. So no wonder Hawk found her. <laughs> it wasn't his incredible tracking skills. It was the fact that he saw her there. And and in which episode are they talking about Hawk being a tracker? And Cooper goes, oh, is he a tracker? He goes, the best. He goes, ooh. <laughs> and then they go in the room. I think it was in the last episode, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, so uh, We go not into the one-armed man's room, but another room at the Timber Falls Motel where... Catherine Martell is giving Benjamin Horn a yet another weird back rub. <laughs> People in Twin Peaks love back rubs. They love their back rubs. They love their secrecy. And they love their toes. Yep. So they're in there. And uh, basically, the whole point of their interaction is to specify that they are trying to get the sawmill burnt down and make it look like Josie did it in an insurance fraud scheme. Right. Meanwhile, our super troopers, Harry Truman, Andy Brennan, and Hawk, are outside of room 101, about to bust in on the one-armed man. One other quick significant <laughs> thing, I know this happens right after it, but I just feel like it should just go ahead and be mentioned, but Catherine finds the chip from One-Eyed Jacks, falls out of... Uh, yeah, Benjamin Horn. Horn says he's going to go give little Elvis a bath and drops <laughs> yeah. a chip out of his so jacket. So what does that mean? <laughs> I had no idea what that... Well, he legitimately pulls out a little Elvis. Right, but I don't... <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> what does he say in the very first scene when we meet him? In the violet again with Leland. Uh, let's go get <laughs> these cheese eaters where they live. <laughs> the guy's just got great quotes. <laughs> He's built but now he quotes. has great quotes and props. It's true. My guy's packing props. Don't worry about it. So Maybe little Elvis will come back up. Is we- Elvis Diane? Is Diane Elvis? <laughs> so we've got the dream team outside of room 101 yep. about to bust in on a uh, one-armed man with the last name Gerard registered to the room. Andy pulls his gun, drops it, and it fires. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> to which Catherine Martell responds, gunplay must be serious. 
But they don't go looking. They don't yeah. investigate like anybody would. If you're a gunshot outside of the motel, Ben's, you go look what's going on. Ben Horn's more frightened than she is. He's, He's like, yeah, he gets up and out the like, window, looks like, out the window. He doesn't want to die. So uh, I was talking to Tyler off mic about this, but uh, they bust in to the man's room. They kick the door in, say, put your hands up. And he turns, he's got a towel around his waist, but he turns with one hand up because he only has one hand. I've never seen somebody with one arm without a shirt on, and it's upsetting. It is. It is not anything like when you draw a person with one arm. (laughs) (laughs) Like a stick figure? How many people with one arm have you drawn? Seven. <laughs> seven. Always seven. I just, uh, I, I remember the anatomy of it. It looks like it was digitally removed, but this man has one it, arm. That's true. I did think that. I was like, this looks like really good, like, CGI. Because mm-hmm. it kind of looks so bizarre yeah. that it has to be fake. And so you your just, mind is like, yeah, You've okay, never seen yeah, bone true. structure like that. Yeah. So it, it looks fake, but this is legitimate. Yeah. And it's weird. And then they never let him put on clothes. He, he puts he on does, a t-shirt. He has a t-shirt, But yeah. he s- keeps that towel on. He's still on towel, yeah. Which well, is weird. Well, he's me. still being questioned. Like, they don't want to give him the opportunity to slip out a window or something, I guess. He's got a couple of great quotes that mm-hmm. I like in this that just made me... <laughs> <laughs> Mom's a good... That's a good one about his tattoo. Mm-hmm. He questions him about the fire, the fire walk with me mm-hmm. uh, tattoo. Which would have been on his left arm, right? Which right. is now which he indicates that he had a mom tattoo. Mm-hmm. But one of them, I don't know why, it just makes me laugh when they show him the drawing of Bob. He goes, he kind of looks like somebody, doesn't he? <laughs> and I don't know why. I think that's it. Does, like, it's it's such a like nothing statement. Yeah, yeah. like he kind of looks like somebody, doesn't he? It's so weird. It's like almost <laughs> assholey. <laughs> I was trying to derive something from that. That's from just like me it. showing you a picture of someone you don't know and you just saying, he kind of looks like somebody. But doesn't he kind of look like somebody? <laughs> yeah, he looks like who you're showing me. <laughs> and the other one is when they see that he has a, or when Andy reveals that he has a sh- suitcase full of shoes because mm-hmm. he's a shoe salesman. Mm. And the quote that I love is, everybody needs shoes. <laughs> My, I love it one because like that suitcase is standing upright on a table. Mm-hmm. And Andy's just like kind of looking at it. Like yeah. you can tell that his whole internal monologue is like, I'm going to open I, this. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. do this. Like, yeah. I think this is going to be a really big break. Yeah. And then like he does it and then off then screen, like it, he did. it collapses <laughs> yeah. open and then he just like walks away yep. from it. He just like crosses his arms. Just like, yeah. He says, <laughs> he says, everybody needs shoes. And I'm like, yeah, Leo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all right shoes because it's his sample case. He says he's a traveling shoe salesman uh, that he used to sell pharmaceuticals. Uh, and it was good money. Yeah. He was traveling from Memphis to somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> Can't his, remember where. Is his exact recollection. Doesn't know where he was coming to. And uh, he said he was in a car accident. That's how he lost his arm. Uh, they asked him if he has a friend named Bob. He said, Bob Lidecker's about my best friend in the whole world. <laughs> just his, his, his delivery just in this whole thing, especially compared to what we saw of him in the Cooper's Dream sequence is so different. Mm-hmm. It's just so completely yeah. different. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of amazing. He's not being enigmatic and creepy. He's yeah. just seems like a dude with one arm <laughs> selling shoes. Some one arm shoe yeah. salesman. Fire, walk with me. Yeah, he's not talking like that. And not at so all. it doesn't yeah. sell it's him so as the same guy from the great. vision. Not at all. You wouldn't even think, you almost wouldn't even think so because he's just got out of the shower. His hair's like wet. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like he's, how it does. He's playing a great in character. Yeah. But this is the same guy that was in the yeah, vision and sure. the same guy that was in the hospital. 100%. He's just, he's just so fresh and so clean. Uh, 
Why do they ask if Bob is a doctor? Because I don't, I don't remember why they asked that. Because he says he's about the best darn veterinarian in the town. They just say, is Bob a doctor? And then he tells them that, but I don't remember but why. But why would they ask? I don't remember why they asked that. I don't either. But yeah, they ask him about his, his uh, tattoo on his missing arm. He says that it's a <laughs> mom. Mm-hmm. And starts to cry. He gets choked up about it. Mm-hmm. It must have meant a lot to him. Clearly. They go back to the car and they, uh, Hawk tells them that Josie had already been there staking the place out. Yeah. Uh, probably not for the one-armed man. Uh, in the bathroom at the high school, Donna is putting on some lipstick. Audrey comes in and starts, you know, kind of recalling her infatuation with Cooper. Love um, the paint on the walls in this scene with the mm-hmm. just the neon mountains, like the Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just a nice little detail. Well, it's Twin Peaks High School. So she's uh, kind of recounting her dreams of being swept away and running away with Cooper. Yep. Kind of breaks that she has some suspicions about her own father and the operation that he runs and that uh, Laura may have been a part of the perfume counter scheme or had some relation to One-Eyed Jacks and asks for Donna's help. It's when Donna doesn't know what One-Eyed Jacks is and asks if that's a Marlon Brando Brando movie. movie, Yeah, It's a a place Hmm? in the Canadian border. I would assume that it is. I haven't double-checked that. (laughs) A little super production going on. A little fact-checking. Yep, sure is. What year? 1961. Long time ago. I remember 61. <laughs> Never go back. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're coming up to Hank Jennings, who is Norma Jennings' husband, uh, about to make his plea bargain with a panel of judges so he can get out. Uh, he asked for Norma's help before he goes in, asking her to have his back, basically. So he says that it was fate that caused his car to veer off to the side of the road and kill an unnamed vagrant who nobody knew who was sleeping. Like, fate put me here. Fate made that happen. Uh, basically says it's not his fault and he feels remorse that it happened and he's sorry and he can get a job if he gets out. Norma says she'll give him a job at the diner and that they will live together as man and wife. He's my husband, isn't he? <laughs> right. She clearly wants nothing to do with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, who is that guy? What, what do I know him from? Right, yeah, I know him from something too. He was in the thing with Donna's sister. Uh, I can't look it up. That's called that. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to worry about it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, Parking at a gas station, Cooper remarks to Truman that the man in his dream said that they had lived above a convenience store. Yeah, because when they pull up to the vet's place, that's next to a convenience store. Right, Right, where he sends Andy to pick up some twine because he's looking for the same type of twine that was used to bind Laura. Yep. Uh, They're actually at Bob Lidecker's veterinary office. I love that when they go in, <laughs> there's no way this was scripted, but they go into the office and there are these people with a bunch of animals inside and one of them is escorting a llama out of the door, which yeah. stops and looks right at Cooper <laughs> it's so perfect. Just, before it keeps on going. And he just pauses, makes eye contact, and then keeps delivering his lines. I don't know how like either of them didn't just, just break. Yeah, I, break I, out I in laughter. that Harry, like, I when yeah. I watched it, I think you can see him, like, fighting it really yeah. hard. yeah. <laughs> And it's great because then they pull like Andy or someone else over or somebody else is in there and comes over and joins the conversation because I was like, man, thank God they had <laughs> someone else come in because it was just, they were able to forget about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
But a great take. Yeah. And uh, so they, they show the picture of the sketch from Laura Palmer to the receptionist working at the veterinarian's office. They show the sketch, and she says, that's not Bob Lidecker. But Cooper still believes that the bird that Maybe she's lying. Maybe. The guy's name has the word lie in it. <sighs> Maybe the, the deck is stacked against him. <laughs> <laughs> but Cooper still believes that the wounds on Laura Palmer from a bird came from a client right. veterinarian's office. Like they were sent there for a reason, even yes. if it wasn't Bob. Right, He's he has decided that there is a connection there if mm-hmm. he's supposed to be there. Oh, we're back at the Johnson's house, and we've got Shelly and Bobby, and he's basically inside her in the kitchen. <laughs> we don't know where Leo is. They're just I do not like that description. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's, it's this is reality, Tyler. <laughs> this is real life. I don't, I don't have time to explain <laughs> the birds and the bees to you, but this is reality. Well, this is facts. Well, the birds where I come from sing a pretty song. Anyway, they discuss the funeral a little bit, and Bobby is apparently angry that James was seeing Laura. Which makes I'm, no sense. I, yeah, I'm not I, don't, I don't get it. I'm not convinced about that because I think he, he just, just needs something to be mad exactly. at. Exactly. He needs something he wants, to be mad about. He needs a reason to bark. Yeah. yeah. And James is just the avatar for his rage. Uh, he's just the lightning rod. Shelly shows him the gun that she bought. And the, and the shirt. And the shirt. And uh, I, is, is this Leo's? I showed his initials into the collar. <laughs> He makes me so into everything. Leo's Which I the feel kid. Like an Leo's the elementary school note. kid who always had his name written in his underwear. Yeah. And that carried on through the rest of his life. Not even written, stitched in. <laughs> Just like mama used to. It's ridiculous. But uh, Shelly tells Bobby that Leo is in cahoots with Jacques Renault. Jacques. And so then he that triggers a stops. F- yeah, it triggers <laughs> a feeling or thought in mm-hmm. Bobby's head because mm-hmm. he knows Jacques and what's going on. So he proceeds to tell Shelly all about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole drug scheme. But yep. he doesn't put himself in the scenario. Yeah, he leaves himself out. Somehow he just knows all of this stuff, and Shelly asks no questions. Yeah. Well, she shows him the bloody shirt, and Bobby snatches it and says, look, it's not going to be a problem anymore. I'm going to take care of it. And starts to leave, and she asks him what he's going to do, and just like Leo, he says, you don't need to know. Right. Which she certainly has a type. Which is a <laughs> parallel that I thought was really cool. Yeah. Callback. Same line, yep. But then Shelly gets like super off on trying to get Bobby to teach her how to use a gun. Yeah, she like starts undoing her shirt and showing lingerie. He's like, can you show me how to use that? These kids are just horny as hell. <laughs> how old is she? All horned up. She's 18. Dropped out? or She dropped out in the 11th grade. I think this is, is this where he mentions that the worst thing she ever did was drop out in the 11th grade and marry Leo? Yeah. This is the scene. Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, so now we know. I missed that. Yeah, it took me a couple watches to realize it too. So Cooper and the gang have confiscated all the pals from the vet's office. And they have Lucy go through all of them to try and find the bird owners. So she gets started on that. When Andy comes up and says, Lucy, did you hear what happened? I feel so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. I dropped my gun and it shot. I'd love to stay in chat. <laughs> but I've been instructed to go through these files. Lucy's busy. I love their dynamic. Like, it's I, good. It's yeah. fun. I want to know what happened at this point. Like, what did he do? Yeah. What's the problem? That's do another, we know? Another big mystery of the these, show. These crazy kids, they just got to get it figured out. I, yeah. So she sends him away, and uh, they all go down to the firing range. I really like this scene. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to teach Andy how to use his gun so that something like what happened at the hotel doesn't happen again. So they all kind of line up and fire, and everybody gets ranked. Uh, Andy needs practice on a lot of it. <laughs> a whole lot of it. <laughs> he does. Man, how is he a policeman? 
You just have to give people jobs. You got to give people jobs. It's a small, it's a large, large town. town. Why that job? Work at the double R. <laughs> I like everybody's scores. Like I think, uh, see, Hawk gets four kills out mm-hmm. of six shots. Uh, Harry Truman gets three, and Andy needs a lot of practice. When Cooper's comes back, there's only four holes. Uh, two for the eyes and two for the nose. Only four hits. Oh, I put two through each eye and one through each nostril. Like, weird flicks, but cool. <laughs> yeah, really weird flicks. <laughs> but are just really cool. He also picks up. That's when he picks up too on Lucy and Andy. Mm-hmm. Like he realizes that there. I think right. Yeah. 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 Well, he, yeah. Yes. Harry's like, what's going on between Andy and Lucy? How long yeah. have they been seeing each other? Right. So uh, Lucy comes on over the intercom and starts talking about animals that have nothing to do with the case. It's like Lucy, we're asking about birds. Well, it's all in alphabetical order. Well, it's, we are looking for birds. No, you don't understand. It's alphabetical order by pets' names. So he decides it's a four-man job. Yep. Yes. It's a good time to get some more coffee. We're going to need some coffee. Let's not forget about Is Hawks, this... what Hawk says about his... Oh, his, his poem? Yeah. His Hawk's poem. Got to talk about Hawk's poem. Because the delivery is perfect. It's like, obviously, this Native American character and the history is there automatically. So anything he says is like... That's so Gold. profound yeah. and like wise. Whatever. <laughs> and then he says this One thing. One woman will make you fly. And then he says, or whatever, my girlfriend. <laughs> you think it's this Native American proverb. It's so perfect. I love it so much. Because he has just the delivery. He has like his hands in his pockets. He's like, or whatever, my girlfriend. <laughs> Let's hear it. One woman can make you fly like an eagle. Another can give you the strength of a lion. But only one in the cycle of life can fill your heart with wonder and the wisdom that you have known a singular joy. I wrote that for my girlfriend. Local gal? <laughs> Diane Shapiro, PhD Brandeis. Oh, man. <laughs> Diane Shapiro. I PhD love that so Brandeis. much. Again, Diane. <laughs> yeah, another we Diane. have another Diane. Hey, they. <laughs> Tyler's face. You didn't put that together either. I did, did not. <laughs> For someone so obsessed with the character of Diane, the character, not everyone named Diane. Mm. Unless that's Diane, then I'm very interested. All I'll, I'll say about is that. It? Wait and see. I hate you so much. Patience is a virtue. If it was the same Diane, Cooper would have said something then and there. He would have gone like, Diane. Diane. (laughs) Just ran into Deputy Hawk. Listen to this poem. (laughs) So at the diner, Shelly and Norma are talking and basically just say that they're both in relationships that they don't know what to do with. That uh, Norma's not entirely sure what she's going to do when Hank gets out, but Shelly is definitely sure what she's going to do when she sees Leo again. She's going to shoot him. She's going to shoot him in the ponytail. Right in the ponytail. Hard loss for Leo. Well, she, she does offer to take her to the spa. So James walks in to use the payphone, and then they say that, and that's that. Well, because Jan- then James notices somehow while he's on the phone with Donna. He called her from the payphone at the double R. Right. And Donna, at her house, her dad is making, <laughs> what is he making? Lasagna? It's, it's a vegetarian yeah, lasagna. Yeah, it's a vegetarian yeah. lasagna. And he's just like, I need help. <laughs> SOS. <laughs> That's right. It's so funny for whatever reason. <laughs> and then just like, he do, I don't even know if he says goodbye to her because he immediately notices yeah. Madeline Ferguson walk in the door mm-hmm. of the diner mm-hmm. and just stares at her. Wait, so didn't like cover The weirdest part about this, the weirdest part about this is she immediately just starts talking to him like she knows him. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. It's not a, hey, who are you? Oh, did you know Laura Palmer? She starts talking to him immediately like he knew Laura Palmer, which we know that he does. Right. But it's just, she's like, yeah, I'm Laura's cousin, blah, blah, blah. Weird. Yeah, he even I mentions like that Laura, she looks exactly I? like her. Yeah. 
And she just mentioned that she didn't even know her well. Right. So, but it's like she has some of her memories or something. You could say she feels like she knows her. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Didn't we talk about this last episode? Bits. I mean, when she was first introduced, but not about her meeting Jane. We talked about her meeting Leland. Uncle Leland. Uh, Maddie? Gotcha. Is it really you? Ben Horn's on a, an exercise bike talking to Icelandic <laughs> investors. And uh, as soon as he gets off the phone, Audrey comes in and tries to weasel in on the family business. She says that Lars' death has changed her, that she wants to be involved again. It's not changed her. Look at how she reacted right after, you know, she passed away. She didn't ruined a deal. Why would you why would you put her in charge? Definitely all a ploy. She's definitely just trying to invade the business to start her own little investigation. If I were Ben. <laughs> But but she plays that Audrey card where she acts all innocent and defeated. Please let me be your daughter again. Because she's diabolical. <laughs> she's awesome. <laughs> and I hate I her. I love her. And I so hate her. <laughs> she's awesome and I hate her. But uh, yeah, she's trying to get a job. She's trying to work her way to the perfume counter so she right. can infiltrate whatever's going on there. So yeah, he, he basically tells Audrey that she can have an interview and get started. Good luck, uh, Audrey. The officers are going through the vet files and uh, Gordon Cole calls again and uh, they're faxing over the reconstruction of the plastic object that Laura had swallowed. Uh, they also find out that the bites are from specifically a minor bird. I don't know what a minor bird is and I didn't look it up, but I assume it's similar to a parrot because it said it's a parrot or a minor bird. The... J in question that was in Laura's stomach is a piece of a poker chip that they relate back to One-Eyed Jacks. One-Eyed Jacks. Mm -hmm. So Andy files... <laughs> Andy finds the records for a Waldo. <laughs> and he's, he's owned by Jacques Renault. <laughs> so they decide to go to Jacques to, to make a house call, quote-unquote. So this transition... Because we're at Jacques now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This transition... You see people playing tennis. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, what? At night. What are we watching? And then one of the greatest pans I've ever seen. It just pans real quick to Cooper, who's just like, and here we go. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? what is going on? There it's, is a tennis court at this apartment complex. It's so strange, but so cool. I don't it's know. important that we know that. It is, I think. That's what I wrote down. I was like, tennis shot to Coop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So they cop knock on the door, announce themselves, and uh, say that they're coming in for Jacques. Bobby's in the apartment. Yep, Bobby's He's, in there. He is planting the bloody shirt, and he... Very poorly. Bad timing. Like, Laura died who knows how long ago, mm -hmm. and the shirt's just like half hanging out of a drawer <laughs> in the kitchen. Yeah, that'll be good there for two weeks or whatever. Yeah, it's very clearly planted evidence. <laughs> yeah. But he escapes out the window and gets pursued by Hawk around the building, but... Hawk, as we know, is a tracker, not a chaser. <laughs> Hawk loses him. So he does not catch him. And uh, so they, they find the shirt in Jacques Renault's apartment and relate it back to Leo Johnson because his initials are sewn into the collar like an idiot. <laughs> Sounds like Leo just needs a new wardrobe. Sounds like it. He needs new favorite blue shirts. Well, Leo's in the woods, and he's waiting for Benjamin Horn to come meet him. When he does meet him, he introduces him to Bernard Renault, who is wrapped in plastic in the woods right next to him. Yeah, and... and Murdered. Ben, Ben just... Kind of shakes it off. No, but he goes up to him and just... Why did you go and just tap him on the back like that when you walk up to him? <laughs> yeah, you don't know what this guy's going to do. All right. Like, it, Leo's nothing ben Horn, unpredictable. earlier in the episode, scared of gunfire. Not scared of Leo Jones. Not scared of known criminals slash murderers. Well, I guess I guess he's in his employee, basically. Yeah. So he isn't really scared of him. Right. But uh, yeah, he gives him an envelope full of cash and basically says that it's time to light up the sawmill. So Leo is the flamer. 
Nice. He was the arsonist. Nice. Uh, next we have James and Donna talking about the fact that Sarah Palmer had a vision of the necklace being dug up. And that... Ow. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that is now known. Uh, they're going to check to make sure that the necklace is still buried. It is not. So they assume that they must have been followed, but they don't know by who. An owl. <laughs> but by who? One. A two. <laughs> a three. <laughs> a three. Mr. Owl. Donna mentions that both Lara and Sarah had had visions, and they they should probably tell the police about this. Mm-hmm. But she was a little spooky. Yeah, she was a little spooky, is exactly the terminology they used. Donna thinks that they're the only two that loved Lara, so it's their responsibility to solve the murder for themselves. Harry calls Josie, and he asks her straight up if she was at the Timber Falls Motel, and uh, she just says, call her tomorrow. Quickly gets off the phone. Mm-hmm. Does not want to talk about that. No, he's in perfectly fine English says that she's not trying to talk about it right now. Yeah, Pete comes in. She asks him how his day was and that she made him a turkey sandwich. Really quick. Mm-hmm. And he invites her on a mixed like doubles fishing, fishing competition. Yeah. yeah. And she seems kind of into it. It's just, it's weird. I'm, I keep getting the vibe that Pete's trying to court yeah. Jizzy, yeah, sort of. But I don't, I don't know if it's like semi-fatherly or if he's interested in her. Right. Also, why is well, she still I, living there? If I there? know Twin Peaks, uh, yeah. he's definitely trying yeah, to Yeah, that's, that. that's definitely his goal if that's the case. Yeah, they're living in Twin Peaks where everybody's banging. She checks the mail and she gets something She gets, she gets a, a pencil sketch of a domino. And where have we seen a domino, Tyler? Have I seen one? We have seen one. Hank Jennings carries a domino with him that he, like, sucks, sucks on. on. <laughs> but I, had I seen it before... Yeah, I mean, they showed it. They showed it in his hand. He hasn't been sucking on it yet, but he has been like twirling it in his fingers. Okay, I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, Yeah, so Hank Jennings has a domino on him that he will twirl in his fingers, almost like a lucky coin. Right. And this pencil sketch is of the same domino. A very detailed, full-page sketch. Like, Mm -hmm. what a waste of time. Immediately after this, a phone rings, and Josie answers it, and it's Hank on the line, and as he kind of addresses her asking if everything's going to plan she hangs up and we still have hank with the domino in his hand and he starts sucking on it like a passy it's so weird it's and very great weird. great timing on that call i love those shots too when josie's on the phone it's cool when going over to it it's like sideways mm-hmm. yeah it's strange you notice that those kind of panning shots yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's all like tilted mm-hmm. it's weird mm-hmm. not not quite a dutch angle but right a little off center yeah mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, but that's how that ended. Yeah, I that's that's that the end of that episode. Is Hank sucking on the domino? <laughs> All comes back. That's the episode. One armed man. Uh, I'm getting reacquainted with this watch through, so I'm trying to remember how exactly the whole situation with Mike being the one armed man and acting like he has nothing to do with Bob plays out. I don't know if this is a parallel version of Mike that's in this world, or if he's the actual Mike from the visions. It's yeah. a weird. It's a weird episode for sure. Um, a lot happens, but not a lot happens. But uh, it's definitely better than the last episode. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And there's definitely more to come. And stuff's picking up. I mean, even with the last episode, there were, like we said, there were clues that were dropped. There's probably even more just little things that were dropped in this episode. I still don't care about Hank. That's that and the Catherine stuff is, and Josie. That's all my least favorite. Um, but everything involving the Twin Peaks Police Department and Coop. And Gordon Cole on the phone, loving it. <laughs> Tyler, I don't know. It was a, it was definitely a pickup episode. I enjoyed it 
more than the last one point one episodes, counting the end of episode two. Um, but I like where it's going. I have no idea where that is, <laughs> but I like it. Well, we will find out together. We will, and we Can't show. Wait. What did we miss? What did we glance over that really needs more attention? Let us know at talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com. If you need updates and visuals, you can find us on Talking Backwards Pod on Instagram as well, Patrick. We're also located on the Twitter at Talking Backward. Also, we are now available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Let your friends and fellow Twin Peaks fans know that we're on their favorite podcast streaming service. And who the hell is Diane? We'll find out next time on <laughs> Talking Backwards. No, we won't. I can tell you we definitely won't be finding out next time. But maybe sometime. We maybe may or not. may not find out who Diane is on the next episode of Talking Backwards. Diane is Hawk's girlfriend. I'm going to be so mad if that's true. (laughs) I hate that idea. I hate it. You love it.